I'm Alec Lace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Welcome, everybody, to episode 187 of the podcast. I am happy, as always, to be here with you. Thank you for stopping by. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please get over there and bang that subscribe button. You do not want to miss all the action that is coming your way right here on First Class Fatherhood. All right, dads, I have the father of a frogman on this Friday edition of First Class Fatherhood for you today. Rob O'Neill is a Navy SEAL Team 6 operator best known for killing Osama bin Laden. He is also the author of a phenomenal book titled The Operator. I had the honor of speaking with Rob right here on the podcast back on episode 54. And today I will have the honor of speaking with his father, Thomas O'Neill, who will be out here with me in just a few minutes. So please stick around for the interview. And these interviews are always very special for me. As most of you listeners know, I am a railroad mechanic. I've been working on trains for almost the last 20 years now. And I spent 17 years of my life working in the Hoboken Rail Yard, which is right in the shadow of the World Trade Center. It is right across the Hudson River. And as with everybody else, 9-11 made a huge impact on my life. And just to have the opportunity to speak with so many Navy SEALs, many of whom joined up as a result of 9-11, has been incredibly humbling for me. And along with all the veterans that I've had on the podcast here, I am extremely grateful for the service and sacrifice made by so many. I understand that my freedom is not free, and my family and I have the deepest respect and appreciation for the sacrifices that have been made here by the men and women of our military. And I am so proud to be an American. Today is not, however, the first time I've been blessed to have the father of a frogman on the podcast. Back on episode 72, I had the honor of speaking with the Gold Star parents of Navy SEAL Team 6 operator Aaron Vaughn. Karen and Billy Vaughn were here together on the podcast. Aaron, of course, was killed in action when his helicopter crashed in what is known as Extortion 17. So the Vaughn family, along with so many other families, have made the ultimate sacrifice. And believe me, on days when I am struggling a bit with my own life, I often think of the men and women who have sacrificed everything here and it really helps me to move forward all right so i am pumped up for today's podcast and next week is going to be no different here i'm going to be smacking you guys with another five banger i dropped two names on you guys already world-class surfboarding legend shane dorian and world-class jockey jose ortiz will both be here with me find out who else will be joining me here follow me on instagram at alec underscore lace and let's keep the conversation and the celebration about fatherhood and family life going strong here fatherhood rocks family values rule and every day is father's day right here with me and i'm going to jump into the action right now with first class father thomas o'neill i'm alec lace and you're listening to first class fatherhood i cannot say thank you enough to all the listeners out there you will hear a word from my sponsors in the middle of today's interview if you would like to help me make first class fatherhood ad free please consider becoming a supporter of the podcast by hitting the link in the description of today's podcast episode all right and joining me now is a first class father his son rob o'neill is a former navy seal team six operator known around the world as the man who killed osama bin laden it is a big honor for me to say thomas o'neill welcome to first class fatherhood alex thank you very much for having me it's a pleasure all right here we go tom how many kids do you have and how old are they well i have five um i have uh uh, my oldest is 47, and then they worked their way all the way down to about 29. I've, I've, I was married twice. Wow, okay. What type of uh, sports or activities were they all into growing up? Well, um, my oldest son, Tom, was a tremendous all-state cross-country runner, and in those days, he and I were doing a lot of events together. He was 
uh, at Butte Central High School, just an outstanding uh, distance runner. And, uh, of course, Disneyland Daddy can't stand it not doing it with him, so he and I would uh, go to all of his meets, and then he and I also would do uh, uh, road races. In fact, he accompanied me on a couple of ultra marathons that I did. He was my pace runner for uh, a 50-miler here in Montana called La Grizz, as well as the Western States Endurance Run of 100 miles. He was there with me on that one. So, you know, it's one of these things where your kids are doing stuff and 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 the parents can't stand being away from it. You know, you just get involved with them uh, to the max. Yeah, I hear you on that one. Do me a favor here, Tom, please. Take a minute just to hit my listeners with a little bit about your background and what you do. Well, I'm retired. I just had I just had my 70th birthday a week ago and and I do a little bit of work for Rob, a little a little bit of uh tax work, some accounting work, some uh, work in our uh, RJO Apparel subsidiary company, so to speak, and I'm just kind of the uh, my 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 business card is a touch off color, but it's 100% accurate. I'm the executive vice president in charge of handling shit. That's what it says. That's what I do. <laughs> I love that. That's beautiful. Um, how old were you, Tom, when you first became a father, and how did becoming a dad kind of change your perspective on life? Well, I was young. Uh, my wife and I were like 21 years old when we had my oldest son, Tom. And then a couple of years later, my daughter, Chris, came along, just a, just a great person. And in fact, her birthday is tomorrow, and we're going to be celebrating that. And then Robert, who just had his birthday a couple of days ago, turned 43. And then my daughter, Kelly, uh, she's, she's 40 years old. And then I have a son, Andrew, who lives in Seattle. Okay, and when was the first time you became aware that Rob wanted to become a Navy SEAL, and what was your reaction to that? Um, probably after his high school basketball time, he was uh, attending Montana Tech. He was he was an excellent basketball player. That's the one thing he never brings up in all of his speeches and appearances. He, you know, obviously he's got the heroism of the military, but he was phenomenal. And and of course, I had to play basketball with him, and we, he and I were would play two-on-two against anybody who would show up at our, our local gym here. And he went on to win the MVP of the John Stockton School of Basketball back in like 1993 or something like that. How did he, to answer your question, his interest in the military was after basketball. It was not surprising, but on the other hand, very surprising. I mean, he's a landlocked white boy who can dunk a basketball, but I, I've never seen him swim 100 yards. But then all of a sudden, uh, we had an opportunity during one of our hunting adventures. I'm throwing a whole bunch of activities at you here. But during one of our hunting adventures, we, the, Rob and I and, a, and an existing Navy SEAL, a friend of a friend kind of story, we all went, went elk hunting here in Montana. And then, then the, the spark was lit where he saw, you know, that uh, a military career might be something that he'd be really interested in because it deals in the areas that he excels, outdoors, you know, athletics, physical fitness, that kind of thing. And, and, and he just took it, took it on and chewed it up. I mean, he was really, really great at all, all things military, as we all know. 
Yeah, incredible, Tom. Just because, I mean, so many men have this dream of becoming a Navy SEAL and so few actually accomplish it. So, I mean, I seen the picture that Rob posted uh, recently of you and him. I think it was right after he completed Hell Week. But uh, what was it like for you as a father to find out that your son graduated from BUDS, which is one of the most difficult, if not the most difficult, military training in all the world and accomplished his goal of becoming a frogman? Well, it, it was, on the one hand, uh, you know, t- tremendously rewarding for me just to witness it. But then on the other hand, I, 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 if anybody could do it, why not him? I mean, and that kind of undersells it, but he, he did it, you know, to the, to the max. So I, I was surprised on the one hand because of just our background up here in somewhere Montana, and then all of a sudden becoming a Navy SEAL of historic proportions. I wasn't that surprised because he's always been a person who has the ability. He, he's one of these people that if, if something's in front of him, the answer isn't how am I going to do it? It's why the hell not? It's one of those kinds of attitudes. And, and uh, it, you know, it's, it's great to see that in him and all my kids. Yeah, and that mindset is really one of the most appealing things about the SEALs. And I say it all the time, Tom. I think just the fact that the public has so much access now uh, to these guys by following them on social media, reading their books, uh, hearing their stories, it's so inspirational, and their exposure is a real benefit to everybody in our society. Well, I agree with you because it it shows you what what you can do with, you know, uh, dedication, hard work, the right mindset, and a lot of support. You know, we can, we can, we never do as individuals, we never do tap our complete potential. I don't think, I know I haven't, and I'm not even sure what I'm talking about. But I, I think that as we proceed in our lives and try to, you know, try to get to that next level, try to follow the dream, you know, the dream can come true. And it just takes, a, you know, it, the planning is one thing, the execution is something else. And that's where Rob was superior. He had an idea. It's gold. It's done. When he went to the John Stockton basketball camp, this is just a sideline, he'd go out there and start shooting jump shots, and he'd have kids around him. It, it, was, it was really neat to see in that every time he'd take a shot, they'd just say, money, money, you know. And, and he, he was just one of those guys. He could do it because he, he knew he could. Yeah, amazing. All right, let's fast forward a bit here to the Bin Laden raid. And for me, I worked right across the river from the World Trade Center for 17 years. 9-11 had a huge impact on my life, as it did for so many Americans. And to have a chance to speak with your son, you know, who killed the bastard responsible for the attack, was really a tremendous honor for me. Uh, But walk me through that whole timeline for you, including when you heard that Bin Laden had been killed and that Rob, you know, was involved in it. Well, I'll I'll fast forward to to 9-11. Rob was somewhere in Europe, I think probably in Spain or somewhere, doing 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 things in uh, in in what the normal course of business for SEAL Team Two or SEAL Team Four, wherever he was. Then all of a sudden, I get a call. I'm in Alaska. Uh, I'm on a wild hunt with a a buddy of mine on you know like September 8th through about September 12th or 13th of 2001. I get a call from Rob. I've been up for three days, and I see that a whole bunch of towers are on fire and all that stuff. And I just I get a call, and he says, "Welcome to my world," you know. And it was at that point that then it fast forwards with him knowing that he wants to be in the fight and how how in the how it will be the fastest way to get there. That's when he moves to SEAL Team Six. And the Bin Laden thing, boy, that's a tough one because um, we were. I I. I 
had an inkling about what was going on. I mean, his his whole career had me on pins and needles most of the time, from the Marcus Luttrell thing, the, the heroism there, to the time where, according to USA Today, you know, there was this unprovoked impact, uh, unprovoked attack in Pakistan, you know, for for which he, Rob was awarded his first silver star, and it was not unprovoked. There was a real big deal, but it was almost an outgrowth of the Marcus Luttrell adventure. Then, then the Captain Phillips raid. I mean, it was always something, and and it was almost one of those fa- facts that it isn't the combat that was uh, causing the apprehension in my life. It was the training. I mean, because he was always getting ready for something. So that when Bin Laden came around, here I am sitting in a parking lot at Walmart, and he calls me as he's boarding the helicopter to go do the raid. You know, how how do you process that? Yeah, that's incredible. What an honor. I mean, I can't even comprehend the fear you must have as a father that you must have gone through with all of this. And listen, as a dad, I get happy and proud when my boys don't piss on the seat. <laughs> <laughs> so you know what I mean? And your son killed the most wanted man on the planet. That has got to be an unbelievable feeling for sure. Yeah, it is. And and Rob has this kind of joke when he's talking, when I'm around and he's talking to people. And he'll always say, well, there, yep, that's my dad. He thinks I was, I was, I was the person who did every major military heroism act or act of heroism, you know, since Hitler died. You know, and it's kind of true because he's that kind of a person. You know, if if he was born any earlier, I would have sworn he was the first man on the moon. You know, but that's the, the pride that you have in, you know, with something like this. The other side of that coin is he was involved in most of that stuff. Yeah, hey, with everything that he has done, you have every right in the world to be as proud of him as you are. And, and now Rob did take some heat for coming out with the book, coming out with the story. So uh, first, did you read the book? And, and what was your reaction to all the criticism that Rob had to face since coming out with the story? Okay, it is time to get an important word from our sponsors, then back with more from Tom O'Neill. I'm Alec Lace, and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. We are all about creating good humans, right? But if you're finding your kids are more interested in listening to cartoon characters than you, the parent, here's a great way to get your kids thinking about what good behavior really is. The SirDap Game Show app is so much fun for kids 5 to 8 who are challenged to figure out what's polite or rude, who left a mess, or what's right for the environment, while absorbing good messages about how their behavior can affect others. Check out SirDap.com to learn more. That's S-I-R-D-A-P-P.com. Rob did take some heat for coming out with the book, coming out with the story. So uh, first, did you read the book? And, and what was your reaction to all the criticism that Rob had to face since coming out with the story? Yeah, I've read the book probably five times. I, I was, uh, played a minor assisting role in uh, you know, developing the book. I told him way back when. This is kind of interesting to me anyway. When, when Rob lived with me for a number of years during high school, and that's where we developed the basketball skills and the hunting skills and all this other stuff. But one thing that we did do is keep a journal. I personally, I'm a little OCD. I mean, I, I could go back in time and tell you what we had for breakfast on a Tuesday on the way to school when he was in high school. I mean, we kind of kept track of everything. And I told him when he joined the military, keep a journal. I mean, it'll be, you know, when your grandkids want to know what you've done, swap that baby out and start reading, you know. And he did keep a journal. And so uh, 
that's part of the genesis of the book. He, he kept a very, very tight journal of things that he'd do on a day-to-day basis. And uh, so that led to the book. And then the heat part of it, you know, that touches me maybe the wrong way because I, I'm a taxpayer, for God's sake. Um, we're, we spend a lot of money on a lot of military stuff, and, and, and I'm a financial guy. In my prior life, I did a little bit of teaching of accounting here and there, and I it was a financial consultant, and I want to know where money goes. I want to know what kind of return we get on investment. And just from a strictly mechanical point of view, I wanted to know what the hell he was doing. I'm a taxpayer. I was paying for it. And then for now to be criticism, criticism about those very acts, I understand it. I understand the silent professional stuff, the ethos stuff. I do. I don't agree with all of it, but I respect those that carry those opinions. But, you know, I, I think the story has to be told because the crazy stories out there, the ones that people get away with just because they have a, you know, a, a bad breakfast and set, decide to write something nuts, those things you can't get rid of. The real heroism, those are the things I think people got to hear about. And, and, and then one last point here, and then I'll shut up on this, but hell, when Rob was even in high school getting ready to go in the Navy, everybody had a book out, a Navy SEAL book. I mean, anybody hear of Dick Marcinko? I mean, Christ, he had more books out there than I, I could manage to read in one week. So, so it wasn't new ground. And so uh, I, I'm a little sensitive to that. I'm glad he did the book. It was 100% approved by the Department of Defense and the Pentagon. And so I have no problem with it. The people that do have problems with it, I respect them. I respectfully disagree with them. Yeah, well said. And as a civilian myself, I, I'm grateful that Rob and the other SEALs do write these books. You know, if it were up to me, uh, it would be mandatory that the SEALs have to write their autobiography once they leave the teams. But, I mean, just because their mindsets, their, their inspirational stories, I think they are so important to our society. And, and you're right. We look at social media. It is just flooded with negativity. And there's so much poison material on there that can do so much damage to an undeveloped mind. We definitely need more of Rob's type of stories. And, you know, we always hear about people, you know, they don't want the bad guy to get any credit or any mention you know in the paper or in the press but everybody knows osama bin laden's name and not enough people know the name rob o'neill it should be a household name and i know that you know security reasons and all that makes it impossible but i mean i think the whole team involved with killing bin laden should have had a ticker tape parade right down Times square yeah absolutely and uh you know i think there's there's heroes out there in every branch of the of the service and and they should be recognized, and, and recognized even when it comes to their medical care. I mean, I, Rob had a, an injury when he, in, in about 2012 when he got out of the Navy. He had a torn biceps muscle. I was with him in D.C., and we went to the VA to get it fixed, and God loved the VA. But jeepers, my good Lord, uh, it, w- it was a car wreck. Going to that VA hospital was like going to a homeless shelter. Once you can get to the medical professional's, it's golden. These guys are great. But getting from here to there, not so great. You know, we even had an instance where his, his wallet disappeared while we were waiting for one of the procedures. And we kind of raised a little hell. We're Irish. We don't know how to behave all the time. We raised a little hell. And, oh, and by the way, the, the wallet did show up. But, I mean, it's this kind of stuff. I mean, if we want to take care of our veterans, Let's take care of their health care. You know, I'm, I'm getting tired of watching illegal aliens getting more 
money thrown at them than our veterans are. You know, we got if we got money burning a hole, let's have it burn that direction. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more, Tom. And right now we hear so many people screaming for free this, uh, free health care. And if anybody should be given free health care, it should be our veterans who I think should be able to walk into any hospital in the country and receive care, especially our combat veterans. And the suicide rate is just out of control in the veteran community and something needs to be done to get them numbers down. Well, exactly. And and then one thing that Rob does have going on is the uh, he has a, a 501c3, a, a charitable foundation called Your Grateful Nation, and he assists veterans as a transition. I mean, we have veterans coming out of years of deployments and combat, and, and, and it is easier for them to go back to combat than to interview for a job. We, we are not training our vets in how to transition, and that, and that leads a little bit to the suicide issue, too. What in the hell am I going to do now? Okay, I'm a paid counterterrorism assassin. What's the market for that in Duluth, Minnesota? You know. Uh, so I think as as we uh, increase the awareness of Rob's uh, uh, his foundation uh, among a whole bunch of other ones, we're going to help in this a lot. But there's a lot of you know we we praise these kids as we send them off to war. We better take care of them when they come home. Well said. I couldn't agree with you more. And what was the transition like for you, Tom, going from being a father to being a grandfather? What has that been like for you? Oh, it's terrific. It's terrific. You know, I've, I've, I've got seven grandkids, and they, uh, they, keep me, they, they will keep me in the swim. There's no way that being 70 is gonna, I'm going to get the opportunity to be old. I, I, I will sit around in my bathrobe and slippers a little bit, but they'll drag me out of that and heading, heading toward a, a fishing hole for sure. We do that a lot. Grandparenthood is wonderful. Yeah, and fatherhood has certainly changed over the years. If my father was alive today, he would be 89 years old. So, I mean, he comes from a much different generation of men and parenting styles and, of course, discipline styles, which are very different than the way uh, I handle discipline with my kids. So what type of disciplinarian were you as a father with the kids growing up? You know, it's, I, I'd like to say that I had a, a, a decent grip on discipline and parenting and all that stuff. There are times, Alec, where I was absolutely clueless. You know, you, you start having children when you're young and you're a kid yourself, and uh, you just kind of adapt as you go. But one thing that did, you know, one common theme with me and my kids anyway is almost a common theme with Rob's success in the teens. We, you know, we had a great sense of humor. I mean, we were humorous, but but not frivolous. We... Uh, we, we, we were able to handle a lot of obstacles by, you know, dealing with them belly to belly, so to speak, but then also having a good time that, that we're not just because one guy is taller and weighs more than the other parent versus child that, you know, you, you've got to take it a little bit with a grain of salt, let people develop, try to find their wings and their legs. You know, I like to think that I was decent at that, but to answer how it is, you know, if I were to write a textbook on child rearing, I wouldn't know what the hell to say half the time. You know, because you've got to you got to wing it a little bit. You got to you got to be a, a diplomat. You got to be a psychologist, and then you got to be quiet some of the time. You know, so it's it's a tough juggling act. Yeah, hundred percent. And one thing I'm curious to ask you about, Tom, is what were some of the biggest changes that you noticed about Rob uh, before he went into the military and then after he became a Navy SEAL? His 
his ability to cut, pardon my language, but his ability to cut through the bullshit. I mean, if there's, if, if we're dealing with a topic, if the answer is yes, the answer is yes. And you don't, it, it's not yes and 15 paragraphs of explanation. He's very concise to the point, direct. He's, uh, uh, he's kind of a no-nonsense guy in a lot of topics, but tremendous sense of humor in, in most everything else. So I, I noticed a real maturation, a maturity in his ability to handle life. I mean, it's he's he's seen he, he's seen the bad parts. Yeah, that's for sure, unfortunately. But, uh, you know, thank God for people like Rob and his brothers because, I mean, we really wouldn't stand a chance in this world without them. Right, right. Um, and, and, and the other thing, Alec, is they're, they're so strong. And it's, pardon me for t- taking some time here, but they're so strong they they don't let on how bad it hurts. Yeah, Tom, I don't think we will ever know what it's like for them. I mean, they have buried so many of their teammates, loved ones. Uh, you know, I, I pray for them always, and I am grateful for sure. Yeah, yeah. That. Sorry about getting emotional there a little bit. Yeah, that's understandable, Tom. All right, listen, what type of goals or plans do you have coming up here? I know you're 70 years old now. You're still kicking ass. What kind of goals uh, do you have for yourself for the future? Well, <laughs> uh, as I mentioned earlier, that I've uh, – competed quite a bit in uh, various, you know, outdoor running events and the like. I'm going to, I, I don't have an age problem, but I do have a weight problem. And so in, in the training and getting ready for some of this stuff, uh, I, I hope to compete again, maybe not on the crazy level that my oldest son and I used to do, but in some respect, you know, just get it out there and lace them up, you know, just go for, go for it when you can. Good stuff. Uh, last thing I want to hit you with here, Tom. What type of advice do you have for parents out there whose kids maybe are graduating high school this year and they're thinking about a military career or even have those dreams of becoming a Navy SEAL themselves? Well, what kind of advice do you have for those parents? What can they expect? Uh, never, never diminish the dream. Um, keep, you know, if, if here's the way I look at it. If Rob O'Neill can do it, I believe you can do it too. Rob O'Neill is a superstar, but it isn't, didn't just happen overnight. It, it was the result of some serious dedication and hard work, and that the parents that have these children and kids that have this dream, you go for it. Yeah, well said. I love your philosophy. This has truly been an honor for me. Um, i got to say, Thomas O'Neill, thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time on First Class Fatherhood. Alec, thank you very much. It was a pleasure. The pleasure was mine. Okay, I'm back with a couple of closing thoughts in just a second here. Back to wrap things up here on First Class Fatherhood. I got to give a special thank you once again to Tom O'Neill for giving me a few minutes of his time here. It was such an honor. Please hit me up on Twitter, guys, or drop me that DM on Instagram. Let me know what you thought about today's podcast. I always love to read your feedback. And lock it in. Subscribe to the podcast. Coming next week, I dropped two names on you already. Surfboarding legend Shane Dorian and a jockey who is aboard one of the big contenders, one of the favorites in this year's Kentucky Derby, Jose Ortiz, who will be aboard Tacitus in the run for the Roses. He'll be joining me here as well. It's 
it's going to be a five banger next week. Don't miss out. Please tell every father in your contact list or in your neighborhood about what's going on here. We are celebrating fatherhood. That's all I got for you guys this week. I'm Alec Lace. You have been listening to First Class Fatherhood. And please remember, guys, we are not babysitters. We are fathers. And we're not just fathers. We are first class fathers. Your half-truths and tales As tall as a tree's And a soft feeling so